I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Joshua chapter number 14. I would like you to keep your finger right there in Joshua 14. We're going to come right back to it, but I would like you, if you could, to go with me to the New Testament book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter number 5. In the New Testament, if you can find the T books, they're all clustered together, 1 2 Thessalonians, 1 2 Timothy, and Titus. And if you could find 1 Timothy chapter 5, keep your place in Joshua. We're going to come back to it. Uh, but go to 1 Timothy chapter 5, and then do me a favor. When you get to 1 Timothy, put a ribbon or a bookmark or a bulletin or something there because we're going to leave it, and we're going to come back to 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy throughout the sermon. So I'd like you to be able to find it quickly. And while you turn there, let me just uh, go ahead and give some introductory statements. Of course, we are going through a series on Sunday mornings entitled Helping People Reach Their Full Potential. And if you remember, we started this several weeks ago. This is now the eighth sermon in this series. There will probably be, probably be a total of 10, maybe 11 sermons in this series. And I began uh, the sermon, uh, the series, the sermon series with a couple of general sermons. If you remember, I started a, uh, with a sermon entitled Untapped Potential, and we learned about the fact that we all have uh, potential. No matter how good we are, we're not good enough, and uh, we, we all can grow and then, of course, I preached another sermon after that called How to Reach Your Full Potential, and we talked about generally how we personally could reach our full potential. Since then, I've been preaching some very specific sermons, uh, and I preached a sermon entitled, entitled How to Help Your Husband Reach His Potential. I preached a sermon entitled How to Help Your Wife Reach Her Potential. I preached a sermon entitled How to Reach Your Full Potential as a Mother, and I, reached, I preached a sermon entitled how to, reach, how to Help Your Children Reach Their Full Potential last week. I preach to the young people, to the teenagers, how to reach your potential as a teen. So I've been going through these very specific uh, sermons, and uh, this morning is going to be no different. I'm preaching a very specific sermon this morning, and I'm preaching on the subject of how to reach your full potential as a senior saint, how to reach your full potential as a senior saint. And uh, throughout the sermon, I'm going to be using this term senior saint, and that's how I grew up. Uh, hearing that term, and it is a reference to uh, older uh, believers. And let me just kind of begin by ex explaining what a senior saint is, or if you can consider yourself a senior saint, in First uh, Timothy chapter number 5. And I don't have time to go through the entire chapter and explain the context, but in First Timothy, the Apostle Paul is explaining to Timothy that the church has a responsibility to meet the needs of widows, and there are some very specific things, um, qualifications as to when a church has, a has uh, the responsibility to meet the uh, need of widows. So don't hear that and think that uh, every uh, widow is supposed to have her needs met by the church. In fact, if you're interested, you can study First Timothy 5 and you'll notice that uh, like the qualifications of a pastor, there are some very specific things that need to be met in regards to do that. But one of those things is that they have to be a certain age. And I only bring that up to say this that the Bible tells us when God considers you a senior or an elder uh, person. 1 Timothy chapter 5, look down at verse number 9. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 9, the Bible says, Let not a widow be taken into the number under three score years old. A score is 20, three score is two, three times 20, that's 60 years old, having been the wife of one man. So you'll notice here, and again, these are qualifications for a widow to have her needs met by the church, but I want you to notice that one of the qualifications was that she had to be an elder, 
uh, older, and the Bible defines that as, as three score years old. So according to the Bible, you can consider yourself a senior when you are 60 years old and up. So let me just say this. Uh, if you are here this morning and you are uh, 60 years old and up, then this sermon is for you, all right? And uh, this sermon is for you. And I had the staff guys go through our, uh, our, our different um, lists that we have and different, uh, different things we have uh, for the church. And I, I had them count all of the church members that we have here at Verity Baptist Church that are 60 years old and up. And our church runs somewhere around 220. I think we've got 221 people in church this morning. And of those 220, about 28 of them are what we would consider, consider senior saints. So we've got 28 uh, uh, people that come to this church or members of this church that are 60 years old and up. Let me just, just say this as well. Uh, if, if you don't like the sermon and you want to blame somebody, you can blame Brother John Reed, all right? Because this sermon was actually his idea. And uh, last week, after I got done preaching to the teens, usually I'm pretty organized with these sermons uh, series, and, and but I, I had one week that I wasn't sure which direction I was going to go. I, I know what I'm going to preach next week. I know what I'm going to preach after that. But I had this one week that I was just not sure which direction I wanted to go. And last week, after I got done preaching to the teens, Brother John walks up to me, and he asked the question. He says, Pastor, is there going to be a sermon for the older folks? And when he said that, when he said that to me, he, I, was, I was kind of facing the crowd, and he was facing me. And as the words came out of his mouth, I, I saw uh, Brother Vijay and Miss Joyce walk by. I saw Brother Fred and Miss Connie walk by, and I thought to myself, yes, yes, there will be, and, uh, and, and, and it's good, you know, it's good. So let me just say this, if you are older, if you are 60 years old and up, then this sermon is for you. Uh, the rest of you, let me say this, uh, this sermon is, always, is also for you uh, because of the fact that you say, well, I'm not 60 years old and up, but if you are young, you are getting older every day. And uh, Lord willing, you're going to make it to 60, and this sermon will be for you as well. So it's always good when the Word of God is open, and it's always good when the Bible is preached. Keep your place there in uh, 1 Timothy, if you would, and go back to John chapter 14. And I want to give you several statements this morning on the subject of how to reach your full potential as a senior saint. And I'm going to give you eight statements, actually, and, and you can jot these down if you'd like. Uh, and I always encourage you to take notes. They're a little lengthy. These, these sermons have been... Uh, a lot of list and lengthy things, but I want you to see them. In, Josh, in Joshua chapter 14 and verse 6, we have a story of a man named Caleb. In Joshua 14 and verse 6, the Bible says this, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, this is Caleb speaking to Joshua, Thou knowest the things that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee, in Kadesh Barnea, and, uh, and I don't have time to go into it. I'm sure you're familiar with it. We'll actually get to it in our Sunday night sermon series in the book of Numbers, the wilderness wanderings. But if you remember, Moses sent 12 spies into Canaan to spy out the land. 12 men went to Canaan, and 10 were bad and two were good. 10 came back with an evil report. They said there are giants in the land, and, and we can't take the land, and they scared the people. But two came back with a good report, and those were Joshua and Caleb. And this is what Caleb is now, 40 years later, is speaking to Joshua. Of course, we know that after the death of Moses, Joshua became the leader of the children of Israel. And Caleb is now speaking to uh, Joshua 
after, because, because of the fact that uh, the children of Israel were scared to enter the promised land because of the, ten, uh, the evil report of the ten spies, God punished them and caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. So Joshua chapter 14 is 40 and 5 years or 40 and 6 years after that because now they've wandered the wilderness. That generation has died. Think about this. Everyone has died except for Joshua and Caleb. Uh, and, and Caleb is probably the oldest guy in the nation at this time. And they have now crossed the Jordan River. They've conquered the land. And Joshua is being met by Caleb. And Caleb is saying these things to him. Joshua 14, look at verse 7. Notice what Caleb says. He says, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. So Caleb was reminding Joshua. Remember when we went to Kadesh Barnea and that whole debacle happened? He said, 40 years old. I was 40 years old when that happened. Skip down to verse number 10. And I don't have time to go through uh, this whole thing. But notice there verse 10. He says, and now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. Now he says that because of the fact that everyone in that generation died in the wilderness. Every, all the adults in the wilderness died except for Caleb and Joshua. And he says, the Lord hath kept me alive. As he said, these 40 and 5 years, of course, 40 years that they wandered in the wilderness, 5 years that they've now been conquering the land in the land of Canaan. He says, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day four score and five years old. Now, if you remember again, a score is 20, four score is 80. That's why Abraham said four score in his uh in his uh, speech. And here, Caleb says, I am this day four score and five years old. So he says, I'm 85 years old. That's what we would call a senior saint. Or, or we might call him the president of the United States. I'm not sure. But he says, I'm this day four score and five years old. And then he says, unlike the president of the United States, verse 11, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. So I want you to notice that we have this man, Caleb, who's a godly man, and he's an 85-year-old man at this point, Joshua 14, speaking to, to, to Joshua, and he's telling him, hey, 40 years old was I when we started this thing, Kadesh Barnea. He said, I am, I am this day four score and five years old. He says, I am uh, 45 years later. I'm an 85-year-old man. And he says, but I'm still strong. I can still do things. Notice verse 12. He says, now, therefore, and he says these words. He says, give me this mountain. And of course, he's referring to the fact that he wants to conquer a piece of ground that is being held by the Anakims. And he wants to conquer. And this is where we get the song, I want that mountain. It belongs to me. It's from Caleb going to Joshua and saying, give me that mountain. He said, I want to take that mountain. He says, now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. Uh, and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me. Notice what he says. He says, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. I want you to get the picture here. Because 
What Caleb is saying is he's saying, look, Joshua, you know that 45 years ago, when I was a 40-year-old man, we went into the promised land, and we came back, and you and I gave a positive report. We said, yes, there are giants. Yes, there are strongholds. But God is able to give us the land. And the other men were scared. And as a result, we spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. He said, but now we've crossed into the promised land. We're here. And he says, I have not forgot about that mountain. He says, in fact, I still want to take that mountain. He says, give me that mountain. He says, and the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. He said, 45 years ago, God said we could take that mountain. And I'm calling God's promises today. And I want that mountain. It belongs to me. That's what Caleb is saying. What's amazing about it is that these words are not being said by a 25-year-old or a 35-year-old. But they're being said by an 85-year-old. And here's the first point that I'd like to make this morning for those of you that are senior saints and for those of you that are going to make it to senior saints, and I hope it's all of you. And it is this, number one, to reach your full potential as a senior saint, you must realize that you are not done. You still have more potential. There are still things for you to do. Caleb, an 85-year-old man, the oldest man in the nation of Israel, has now entered the promised land. The nation has now successfully conquered the land. You think he could retire. I mean, you think he would ask for, hey, don't give me that mountain. Give me that swamp. Let me call it Florida. I'll go golfing there. <laughs> you, you think he would say, I, I can just sit now for the rest of my life. I can just relax for the rest of my life. But no, what we see is an 85-year-old man who says, give me this mountain. He says, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And in Caleb, we find an example of an 85-year-old man who said, I'm not done. Who said, I still have more to do. I still have more to accomplish. There's still more potential that I can fulfill. And I would say to you this morning, if you are here this morning and you are 60 years old and up, that you're not done. By God's grace, you're here and, and God has you here for a reason and a purpose. And to reach your full potential, you must realize that you still have more to do. So number one, to reach your full potential as a senior saint, you must realize that you're not done. You still have more potential. There's still more for you to do. There's still more mountains to take, more battles to fight, more conquering that can be done. So we should have, as we grow older, the Caleb spirit. Often we think we talk about the Joshua generation and the Joshua generation uh, exemplifying the next generation. But we should also consider the Caleb generation, the Caleb generation, the older uh, senior saints who say, I still have more to do. Go to Proverbs, if you would, Proverbs chapter 16. You can lose your place there in Joshua. Find your place in Proverbs. You still have your place in 1 Timothy, I believe. And I'd like you to go to Proverbs. If you open your Bible just right in the center, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. And when you get to Proverbs, I'd like you to put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. We're going to come back and forth between these two parts of the Bible, Psalms and Proverbs and 1 and 2 Timothy. So I'd like you to keep your place in those general areas, Proverbs and 2 Timothy. We're talking about how to reach your full potential as a senior saint. Number one, you must realize that you're not done. You still have more potential. Number two, to reach your full potential as a senior saint, you must determine to finish the Christian life well. You must determine to finish the Christian life. Well, I'm, I'm amazed by the fact, and I'm impressed by the fact, and I love the fact that we've got close to 
30 faithful senior saints here that call Verity Baptist Church their home. I am humbled by the fact that we've got close to 30 uh, senior saints that uh, would call me pastor and call my wife their pastor's wife. And, and it's an amazing thing. These individuals uh, have, of course, they hold a, a dear place uh, in, in my heart. And that's why I think a sermon like this is, is so beneficial. Uh, not to mention also that I've got, I'm pretty sure the three full-time staff guys I've got around here are all senior saints as well. I'm, I didn't verify that one, but I'm, I, th- I think they might be. To reach your full potential as a senior saint, you must determine to finish your Christian life well. I'd like you to notice Proverbs 16 and verse 31. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 31. I want you to notice what the Bible says here. The Bible says, the hoary head. The word hoary means grayish, silver, white, referring to uh, white hairs. And, uh, and of course, this is referring to age. And by the way, I'm not that, I'm 37 years old, but I've got, I'm starting to develop quite a hoary head myself, and that has to do with the stress of the ministry, but here the Bible says, the hoary head is a crown of glory. I want you to notice this, though, because here's what the Bible says. It says, the hoary head is a crown of glory, referring to the fact that age and being older and, 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 and having physical attributes that show us that you're whole older, he says it's a crown of glory. And then he says this, if it be found in the way of righteousness. And I would say to you that it is a special thing. It is an amazing thing. It is an honorable thing to find a man or a woman with a hoary head that are still in and they are found in the way of righteousness. And you might say, well, you know, you, you made a joke about the president earlier. I don't think you should make jokes like that. Well, here, here's the thing. Being old does not necessarily just in and of itself mean that that's worth honor. Now, obviously, we should be respectful to anyone and especially elderly people. But I will tell you something. Our country is full of a bunch of old people that are wicked. In fact, our country is being led by a bunch of old people that are wicked. So simply being old does not mean that we should honor you or there's something special about you but I will tell you this there's something very special about the 28 seniors we've got in this church why because the hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness someone said that the Christian life is not measured in years it's measured in decades don't don't talk to me about how many years you've been living for God or how many years you've been a soul winner or how many years you've been reading the Bible if you want to impress me let me know how many decades you've been living for God many decades you've been a soul winner? How many decades you've been reading the Bible? A hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. Give your place there in Proverbs. We're going to come back in that area. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 if you would. 2 Timothy, you should have your place there in 1 Timothy. If you just flip over to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number uh, 4. And you can just keep your place there in 2 Timothy. We're going to be coming back and forth. I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul said. 2 Timothy is the last letter the Apostle Paul wrote. Presumably, he's an older man, an elderly man. At the time of his, this writing, in fact, he's coming to the end of his life. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 6. I want you to notice what he says. And this should be the prayer that every Christian has, and it should be the prayer that everyone has to be able to get to the end of their life and say this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. 
for I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. Paul says, look, I'm, I'm ready. Our goal in life ought to be to get to the end of our lives, to get to the place where we know that death is near and to be able to say, I am ready. I'm ready to meet my maker. I'm ready to go into eternity. I'm ready uh, to go home. He says, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. And then he says this. You say, how can you say that you're ready, Paul? How can you say that and have that assurance? Obviously, he has that assurance regarding salvation because he knows that he's on his way to heaven. But he has that assurance with regards to his life because he says there in verse 7, he says, I have fought a good fight. He says, I have finished my course. He says, I have kept the faith. So I will submit to you this morning that to reach your full potential as a senior saint, you must determine to finish the Christian life well. You must determine to be found in the way of righteousness. You must determine to be able to get to the end of your life and say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Keep your place there in 2 Timothy and go to the book of Ecclesiastes, if you would. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. If you kept your place in Proverbs, right after Proverbs, you have the book of Ecclesiastes. Proverbs, then Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter number 7. I'm giving you eight statements this morning regarding how to reach your full potential as a senior saint. And of course, this applies to the older believers in our church, but all of us are getting older. I remember when we started Verity Baptist Church, my wife and I started this church a little bit over 12 years ago in our living room. And I was, I don't know, 25 years old or something like that. And uh, it seemed like every week of my life uh, during those years, every, every week we would have uh, visitors in church, and I thank God for that. And, and one thing that I would hear every week, people would say, you're the pastor, you're so young. You're the pastor, you're so young. And, and I, my response would always be, well, I'm getting older every day. And uh, people stop saying that. I'm not sure why. Um, <laughs> nobody seems to really say that to me anymore. Uh, now they say, you're the pastor? Wow. Um, but to reach your full potential as a senior saint, you must determine to finish the Christian life well. Number three, to reach your full potential as a senior saint, you must encourage the next generation and try to help them. To reach your full potential as a senior saint, you must encourage the next generation and try to help them. Let me say this, and I, and I thank God for the uh, seniors in our church, and I don't think this characterizes them Um, But I will say this, that it does characterize a lot of seniors, and maybe I would say most seniors, and again, not the seniors in our church, but I've noticed that this tends to be an attitude with older people, and it is this attitude, it is this, uh, this, 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 this thing where they tend to have a bad attitude towards younger people or towards the next generation. And this idea where older people, and again, I have not seen this in our church. As far as I know, in our senior saints, they, 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 they love the Lord and they love, they love all of us and they, they care for us and they help us. And I thank God for that. But this is a thing that is very common among older people where they have this attitude that uh, the next generation is, is useless and they're dumb and, and, and they're messing everything up. And I can understand to an extent where that would come from, but that is not an attitude that we should have as Christians. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, now the interesting thing about the book of Ecclesiastes is that Ecclesiastes is written by an old man. 
This is Solomon at the end of his life with a lot of perspective regarding years of his life. And here's what he says in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 10. Of course, we know this is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. He says, Say not thou what is the cause that the former days were better than these. And what he's saying is, don't go around talking about and asking, why is it that the former days were better than these? He said, here's what he's saying. Don't go around talking about the good old days and how great the good old days used to be and how things used to be a lot better. You know, and look, I realize, obviously, we can see the trends in our, in our culture and we can see that things are, are getting worse. The Bible says that, that the, the, the world is waxing worse and worse. And we get that and we understand that. And I'm not minimizing that. But let me tell you something. The, the things that we deal with today... People have dealt with throughout the generations. There is no new thing under the sun. There's always been wickedness. There's always been those who hate the work of God. There's always been those who attack the word of God. And we should not have this attitude that says, that talks about the good old days, like, like, like now those were the days, but now nothing can be done. No, Solomon says, say not thou what is the cause of the former days, uh, th that the former days were better than, than these. He says, for thou does not inquire wisely concerning this. And what he's saying is this, look, we ought to be happy and content and, and realize that, yeah, you know, as a Baptist preacher, I can look back on the 70s and 80s and 90s and, and, and a time when our nation was more conservative and, 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 and people like Ronald Reagan were in the office and, and it was uh, 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 just a normal thing for men to wear suits and ties. And look, during those days, yeah, fundamental Baptist churches uh, were, 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 were a big thing. And you can look at men like Jack Hiles or Lee Roberson or Curtis Hudson, and they had thousands of people in their churches. And, and people can say today, well, those days are gone and those days are this and those are that. But here's all I would say is, look, we live today. This is the world that God has given us. This is the time that God has given us. And yes, is the culture different? Yes. Is the battles different? Yes. Are, are, are we being attacked in ways that those men never were? That is true. But we're also reaching people in a way that those men never could. Amen. Through the internet and through technology and through all the resources that we've been given. And all I'm saying is this. Don't ever take this attitude that, oh, things used to be better. Now they're, look, all I'm saying is this. The older people today should have an attitude that says, Yes, maybe things have changed and they've gotten worse, but they should look at the next generation. I'm not talking about the LGBTQ uh, young people out there. I'm talking about the people in this church and look at that generation and say, hey, you're the hope for America. And I hope one day when I'm 70 years old, I'll look at the, the, the men and women that are filling the pews of Verity Baptist Church and churches like it, and I'll look at them and say, I love you. I want to help you. I want to invest in you. I wanna, I, I'm for you. To reach your full potential as a senior saint, you must determine not only uh, that you're not done and there's, you still have more to do, you must uh, determine that uh, to finish the Christian life well and, and you must determine to encourage the next generation and, and to help them and to try to help them and not have this attitude that... Uh, that, 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 that everything's bad. And, and look, I realize things are not... They, they've always been bad. Go to Titus, if you would. Titus chapter 2. If you kept replacing 1st or 2nd Timothy, after 2nd Timothy, you have Titus. Titus chapter 2. You ought to invest in the next generation. You know, I'm thankful for my parents. I won't give you their ages, but they're older. And I'm thankful for it. My dad sometimes jokes around with me because he, he likes to go on mission trips and he'll go to mission trips here and there and 
and Mexico and, and, and all these different places, uh, and, and, and he'll, he'll joke, I'm the oldest one there. And, 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 and he'll say, like, ah, oh, I hope people don't mind. I'm the oldest one there. You know, these young people, they don't want to go soloing with an old guy. And I, I get that, what he's saying. And, and, but, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that, that my dad is the oldest one there. That's, that's, that's something I, that, that, that gives me, uh, that, that makes me proud, you know, in a, in a, in a positive way. You know, I'm thankful for, for Brother Ray Anderson. Um, Pastor Anderson's uh, father is a member of our church, literally has been a member of our church since literally day one. And, 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 I, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for older people in our lives that have gone before us. And you know what they've done along the way? They've encouraged us along the way. And, and specifically, I'm talking about my, my parents, my dad and, and my mom and, and Brother Ray and, and Miss Denise. You know, they, they've been, they, they were here when I was 25 years old. And they, and they weren't, they didn't have this attitude to say, ah, you're just some 25-year-old kid. You're just an idiot. Here's the thing, I was an idiot, <laughs> and I, I'm sure I'm still an idiot, <laughs> and, 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 but, but they had this attitude that said, hey, you know what, why don't we help this, this young pastor and his young wife, why don't we love on this young family, and, and why don't we encourage them along the way and help them along the way, and I'm just here to tell you that to reach your full potential as a senior saint, you must encourage, you must discern to encourage the next generation, this is what the Bible teaches, Titus chapter 2, if you're there, look at verse 3, the Bible says, the aged women, the aged women, again, we're talking about when the Bible would refer to an aged woman, it's a woman that's 60 years old and up. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things. Verse 4, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. You know what the Bible says? That the aged woman should encourage and teach the young women in some of these areas to be sober and to love their husband. Not to have this attitude and say, oh, your kids are just so obnoxious and annoying. You know, my kids were good. It's funny how everyone always remembers their kids being a lot better than they were. And sometimes I want to look at people and say, like, I know you're adult children. <laughs> Don't tell me they were good. We should have this attitude that says, I want to invest in the next generation. I brought this up last, uh, last Sunday night. It was on my mind because Brother John put it in my head. <laughs> but I, I mentioned Miss Joyce and, and Brother Vijay. And Brother Vijay and Miss Joyce, uh, Brother Vijay was a pastor in, in India for many years. And Miss Joyce was a a pastor's wife, of course, and, and they've been an encouragement to us. And, and Miss Joyce, every week, uh, she has some, something to say to my wife. And, and, and it's always encouraging. It's always encouraging. And it, it's always something, and you know, the, the ministry can be so discouraging at times. And sometimes all people want to do is pick you apart and tell you everything you're doing wrong. And, and, and it's, it's, it's so refreshing to know that, that there's someone there who's, who, who's experienced it and who's dealt with it. And, and, and I know that every time Miss Joyce is speaking to my wife, she's, saying, she's, she's speaking encouragement into her. And she's telling her, you're, you're doing a good job. And, 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 and she's loving on her, and, I, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for, for Brother Vijay. And every time, uh, I remember Brother Vijay, Vijay first started coming to, to, to our church, and he would encourage me uh, in, in my preaching. And, and he would say things like, you remind me uh, of, a young, uh, of a young me. And I, and I would take that as an, as an encouragement. I say, hey, praise the Lord. Now he says things like, and I hope it's okay for me to say, now he says things like, you have surpassed me. 
and, and, I'm, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm not sure that that's true, but that encourages me. And, and I, I, just, I just say to you, to reach your full potential as a senior saint, you must encourage the next generation. You must be for the next generation. You must lean in to that next generation and, 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 and try to help them. Amen. Try to influence them and try to uh, help them succeed. Go, go, to, go, go to 2 Timothy, if you would, 2 Timothy chapter number 1. I'm giving you eight statements regarding how to reach your full potential as a senior saint. Here's statement number four. To reach your full potential as a senior saint, you must invest in your grandchildren and try to influence multiple generations. We've seen these verses recently, but I'd like you to see it again. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 5. Paul speaking to Timothy, he says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, Which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. I love this verse because it gives you not only an insight into the power and influence of a mother, but the power and influence of a grandmother. And if you're here this, this, this morning and you say, well, I've already raised my children, and this is something that often older people say to me, and I understand what they're saying, and, and, I, and I appreciate it. They mean it as an encouragement. They, oftentimes people say to me, I wish I would have heard these sermons when my kids were little. I wish I would have heard some of these things and learned some of these things when I had them in the home, and I understand that. But I would say to you, if you're a grandparent, you're not done. And maybe your kids are raised and out of the house, but if you've got grandchildren, then you can influence those children, those grandchildren, for the glory of God. So you must determine to invest in your grandchildren and try to influence multiple generations. Go, go back to Proverbs, if you would, Proverbs chapter 17. My wife's uh, grandparents were heavily influencing and involved in her life. She often talks about her, her grandparents in, in, in such a positive way. And her grandparents were Catholic. They were not Baptists. And unfortunately, as far as we know, they, they're, they're, they weren't saved. And, and my wife tried everything in her power to give the gospel to her grandparents, and, and they just uh, never received it. But e even with that, they were moral people, and, and, and they were good people. And, and they loved their grandkids, and they invested in them. And, and, and I, would just, I would just say to you that you do not know the power that you have. Um, so as a grandparent, so you must invest in your grandchildren and, and try to influence uh, multiple generations. And again, I, I'm thankful for my parents. My parents, just recently, my, my daughter had, 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 a, had a birthday. Uh, Elizabeth had a birthday just a few days ago. And, and, and my nephew, Daniel... Uh, he has their, their, their cousins, of course, and they're the same age, and, and their birthdays are just a few days apart, and, and my parents took them both out and, and took them out for lunch and, and, and got some ice cream or yogurt or something like that, and, and, and I appreciate that. And I, I'm just here to tell you, that's, that's the influence of a grandparent. Don't, don't take this idea that, well, I'm retired now, and I've retired from my family as well. No, you look, if God has given you children and then grandchildren, then see yourself as your goal to reach into that next generation, to love on that next generation, to invest in that next generation, to try to reach that generation for the glory of God. I'm thinking for my mother-in-law. Uh, my mother-in-law is saved. My, my wife 
uh, has gone her, her, her mother and her siblings saved, and, and she, she doesn't go to church, but uh, I mean, I, I think she comes to our house, I don't know, every, every other week or once every three weeks and just spends time, time with the grandkids. And, and look, I, I, I'm just telling you that we, we often do not realize what we value until we no longer have it. And, and I would just encourage you to, to not live your life that way. Live your life with your funeral in mind. And I, that might not sound very positive, but live your life in such a way where you ask yourself, what would I want my grandkids to say? What would I want my kids to say? What would I want my spouse to say? What, I, what would I want my, my fellow church members to say about me at my funeral? And live that way. And realize that to reach your full potential, you must invest in your grandchildren. And, and, and influence that multiple, that generation. And look, I, I see it visually in my mind. I see it as trying to reach past generations. I, I, I think of that verse in Genesis where it talks about Joseph, how, how his children and, and his children's children and, and his children's children's children were, were raised on his knees. And, and this idea that, look, I'm, I'm, I, I'm in the phase of life. My wife and I are in the phase of, of life right now that we've got children at home. God has blessed us with six uh, children, and we're doing everything in our power to raise them uh, for the glory of God. And we're trying, we're putting our hands there, and we're, we're working with those kids and trying to raise them for God. But all I'm saying is that once those kids are grown and out of the house and they, and they start having children, then I'm going to try to reach into that generation. And if God gives me health, and, and I can, and I can, and I, and those kids have kids, and I've got some great grandchildren, I want to try to reach into that generation. And, and, I, and I want to try to help. And I, my job is not to raise those kids, but I want to try to help their parents raise those kids for the glory of God. And, and, and it's a good thing to, 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 to love on these kids and, and to encourage them and to, and, and, and to try to encourage them to obey their parents and honor their parents. And, and uh, so you must invest in your grandchildren if you want to reach your, your full potential. Go to the book of Ecclesiastes, if you would. We were already there. I'm not sure. If, if, you, kept, if you have your place in Proverbs, just right after Proverbs, you have Ecclesiastes, or you might be in Ecclesiastes. Let me give you the fifth, the fifth statement this morning. We're talking about how to reach your full potential as a senior saint. You must realize that you're not done. You still have more to do. You still have more potential. You must determine to finish the Christian life well. You must encourage the next generation and try to help them. You must invest in your grandchildren and try to influence multiple generations. Here's number five. To reach your full potential as a senior saint, you must be active and stay in good health. You, you really need to focus as you get older on staying active and, 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 and being in good health. The funny thing to me is that young people who don't necessarily need to like to spend hours on, on their health... <laughs> And what we have to realize is that really as we get older, we need to devote more time maybe uh, towards our, our health. And I'm not talking about becoming a 60-year-old bodybuilder or something, you know, unless you want to. I, I'm just saying, you know, go on walks and, and just staying active um, and, and, and staying in good health. Um, we know that as we get older, our bodies are going to begin to slow down. And, and, and decay. So you've got to make it a priority to, to, to stay in shape, to stay healthy, to stay, I think, you know, I'm calling out all sorts of names now, and I'm probably going to get myself in trouble, but I think about Brother Ronnie, and, and uh, here's a guy that stays in shape, you know? 
and I'm, I'm 37 years old, and I'm thinking, like, one day I'd like to be as healthy as him. And, um, and you know, it's good. It's good to, to stay healthy. And, 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 and my dad, you know, goes on, on bike rides and walks and, and, and things. It's good to do these things, to reach your full potential. You must be active and stay healthy. And look, we realize your body is going to decay and it's going to begin to slow down. That's normal. In fact, the Bible highlights that in Ecclesiastes 12. I, I just think it's, it's interesting because we, we need to be aware of it. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1, the Bible says, Remember now the Creator in the days of thy youth. Usually we bring this verse up for young people, and it's good. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. But here's why you should want to try to remember thy Creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not. And the evil days is talking about not necessarily like bad, like sinful days, but hurtful days. The word evil means to, to be hurt or, or in pain. And you know, as we get older, things start hurting, Right? While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Look at verse 3. In the days when the keeper, he begins to describe the evil days. And what he's doing is he's using an allegory to describe old age and, and, and the body breaking down. He says, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. And, and, and I don't mean this in any sort of disrespect, it's just what the Bible is saying, and it's true, oftentimes as bodies grow older and elderly people will, will sometimes shake and tremble. It's, it's, it's because our bodies are, because of the, 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 sin, the sin in this world and because of the sin nature. He says, even in the days when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves, often as a result of age, uh, Maybe people begin to, to kind of bow down and, and to, to, to hunch a little bit. He says, and the grinders cease. This is a reference to teeth uh, and, 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 and losing teeth because they are few. And those that look out the windows be darkened. This is a reference to losing your eyesight and your eyesight being getting to dim. Verse 4, and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of a bird. And this is often, not everyone, but often as people get older, they become much lighter sleepers, and any, anything kind of wakes them up. Even they rise up at the voice of a bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Verse 5, also when they shall be afraid at that which is high. And this is a, a common thing. As we get older, we start to be more afraid of heights. You don't generally see... Uh, 70 and 80 years old, uh, you know, on, on roller coasters and things like that. Uh, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and Zara shall fail, because no man, notice what he says, look at the last part of verse 5, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. And of course, this is a reference to death. And what the Bible is saying, look, the Bible is saying, as our bodies get older, they're going to begin to slow down. They're going to begin to decay. Our teeth are going, we're going to begin to lose our teeth, and we're going to begin to, to lose our eyesight and, and, and our strength, and, and, and our body. we understand that. But your goal as an older person is to stay as active as possible, try to stay in good health. You say, why? Because of the fact that you still have things to do. And because of the fact that you've got people all around you that love you, and we want you around as long as possible. And, uh, and, and Miss Joyce has said to, to, to me several times, she says, I, I want to see these kids grow up and get married. She says, I have, to, I have to stay here at least another 20 years, see these kids grow up. And I say, praise the Lord. 
I want you to see them grow up and get married. Help us raise them. Ecclesiastes 12, look at verse 7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. There's a reference to the body. And the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. You know, oftentimes as we get older, we get discouraged about the fact that our bodies are, are, are changing and weakening. But let's always remember that as the body begins to return and as the body begins to prepare to return to the earth, all that means is that when that happens, the spirit shall return unto God. And, and we don't have to see death as an end. We can see death as a beginning. And, and, and though our bodies, because of sin and, sin nat- and the sin nature, are, are decaying, and look, look, we are born dying. And as we get closer to that time, we can take comfort in the fact that the spirit, look, my, my, my body's getting older, and, and even, even me, in my late 30s, I often feel, I, my body feels older. I, I tell people, like, I don't feel older. You know, the me, I don't know, the, my soul or my mind, you know, I don't, I don't feel old, but sometimes my body uh, feels old or looks old. <laughs> but, you know, the spirit doesn't get old. The body will return to the dust of the earth, but the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. And praise the Lord for that. Go to Second Corinthians, if you would, Second Corinthians chapter 12. In the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I've got eight statements. We're on statement number six. We're, I think we're making good time. To reach your full potential as a senior saint is what we're talking about. Here's statement number six. To reach your full potential as a senior saint, you must prepare financially for the years that you cannot work and, if possible, leave an inheritance. And I say if possible because it's not always possible, and it's not the number one thing that should be uh, what we dr- strive for, but let me just say this, and maybe let me just say it more for the younger people here. Uh, you should do, because you're the ones that have time, you should do everything in your power to uh, prepare financially for the years that you cannot work. And if possible, leave an inheritance. Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14 says this, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. Notice he says, I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children, and, and, and he's talking about their things. And he's talking about as a pastor. But he's about to make a statement that applies to parents and children. He says, behold, the third time I am ready to come to you. He says, and I will not be burdensome to you. He said, I'm not going to burden you. He said, I seek not yours, but you. And what he's saying is, I'm not after your things. I'm after you. I'm not trying to get your stuff, I'm trying to get you. He said, that's why I'm coming. But when I'm coming, he said, I'm not going to be burdensome to you. It's not going to cost you anything. He said, I'm going to pay my way. You say, why would he say that? Here's why. He says, for the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And what he's saying is that he's their spiritual father, and he's saying uh, children should not be paying the way for the parents, but the parents uh, for, for the children. And, of course, he's speaking spiritually here, and, and I believe this. Oftentimes, uh, I get asked to preach uh, when I get, if I get asked to preach at a, at, a, at a big church or a bigger church, like Faithful Word Baptist Church or whatever, you know, it, it, it's, it's a different situation. But uh, we've started five churches here um, at our church, and oftentimes... I might get asked to go preach there uh, to help them with something, or maybe it's their anniversary and to encourage them for something. We're talking about smaller churches with 
30 people in them, 40 people in them. And oftentimes, you know, I, we, we, we tell these churches, hey, yes, I'll come, but you know what? Don't worry about it. Our, our church will pay the way. We'll, we'll cover the costs and I'll, you know, we'll, we'll pay the gas or whatever and we'll, we'll get there uh, and do that. And, and, and you, you say, I can't believe you should like, you know, you're spending that uh, money on, 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 on other churches. Well, you know, the Bible says that the children are not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And, and we started those churches, and we've got 200 people here, and we're doing okay financially, so if we can go help a church with 30 people in it, I'm not, we're not going to burden them. And, and we're going to help them, and we've helped churches. And I'm not, you know, we've helped churches pay their rent, and we've helped other churches uh, uh, do things, and, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying that the children are not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And, and, and spiritually, we mean that uh, in a spiritual sense, but that also applies uh, physically. And look, I believe, and, and go, go to Proverbs, if you would, Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19. The Bible teaches that children should care for their parents in their elder age. And I believe that. I believe, and I realize it's not always possible, and, and sometimes it just can't happen in, in the way that life goes, and, and there are facilities where older people can live, and, and, and I understand that. I'm not, I'm not attacking that. I, I'm just saying that the Bible teaches that if an older person has children, when they can no longer care for themselves, or if they can no longer care for themselves, then their children should step in and, and care for them. There's a place for the church to step in as well and help if certain uh, characteristics uh, have been met. I believe that. Here's what I don't believe. And, and, and I'm not attacking anybody because I realize even in our church people have different philosophies, and I'm not against you if you have this different philosophy, but I, I'm just... I, I'm the pastor, and I'm the one that's preaching, so I'm going to tell you what I think. Um, and, and I do not have this mentality that says, my six children are my retirement, and, and, and the, I have to burden, I'm going to burden them on taking care of me when I can no longer uh, care for myself. You say, why would you, not, why, why would you take that position? Because I will not be burdensome to you, is what Paul said. I want to say to my children, I seek not yours, but you. I'm not after your stuff. I'm after you. For the children are not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And, and what I mean by that is this. To the best of my ability, I want my wife and I to prepare for the days that we cannot work. Now, i got to do a lot of explaining because there's so many questions that come with this, and I just want to answer it, especially in a sermon like this, because people are going to listen to it, and, and I want to answer it. My goal is to work till the day I die. You know, I don't plan on ever retiring, and, and maybe I'll, I'll die in the pulpit. I don't know. That might not be good. I'm not sure. I mean, I, it'd be funny to me, but um, the rest of you might not like that. But my goal is to just work, work till, till, till I die. And, but I, sometimes I hear people say, well, I'm just going to work till I die, and, and so therefore I don't need to retire. Hey, great. I have the same mentality. I don't think I'm ever going to retire. Um, I may not always pastor this church. You know, I may do other things in the ministry as I get older, but I, I'm never going to retire. But, but also, let's remember this, that I don't know what a day will bring forth. And though I plan to work till I die, I may not, and I plan to try to stay as healthy, and my wife and I to try to stay as healthy as possible in our older age so that I can continue to pastor until a long age and, and do those things. I have to realize that, I don't know what a day will bring forth, and maybe, though I want to work, I may not be able to physically. And in those instances, the Bible does teach that my adult children should take care of me, but the point that I'm making is, 
they, sh they, they should take care of us, but I don't want to be a burden on them financially. And, and this became very real to me uh, many years ago, and I should have asked my wife because I have a horrible memory, and I'm going to ask her right now, but my, my wife's grandmother came to live with us for a while. How old was your grandmother, honey, when she came to live? She was 91. How long did she live with us? About a year, and, and how old were we when that happened? 29. So my wife's grandmother came to live with us uh, from Washington. She was 91 years old, and we were like 29 years old. And, and you know, and, 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 and we were happy to. Obviously, my wife did all the work, but we were happy to care for her uh, physically. Uh, and, and she needed, you know, her, her mind was sharp, but her body was deteriorated. And, and she needed to be bathed. She needed to be changed. She needed, she needed all sorts of things. And my wife stepped in and, and took care of her. Uh, and I believe that God's going to bless us for that. But, but you know, I, I'm thankful for this. She also had a lot of medical needs. And, and she needed to have a nurse come into our home on a regular basis, I think once a week or maybe more than once a week. And she had a lot of medications and things. And here's what I'm saying. The 29-year-old Pastor Jimenez and Miss Joanne were, were happy to bring in my wife's 91-year-old grandmother into our home. And she lived with us and she had her own room. And my wife cooked her breakfast, lunch, and dinner and helped her with the bathroom and, and bathed her. We're happy to do that. But here's what I'm saying is if we would have also had to pay her medical bills, that would have ruined us. We would not have been able to. And we were thankful to the fact that she had finances so that loving grandkids could come in, a loving granddaughter could come in and physically care for her, but she paid the bills. For herself, she didn't give us. I mean, you know, she she was paying for herself and paying for her her doctor's bills and all that. And here's what I'm saying: that should be your goal. Is I yes, I do believe that adult children should care for their parents, but I don't think that you should see your children as your retirement. Because I don't think it's fair to put it on a 28 year old that has a couple of that has. I mean, 29 years old. I don't know. We had like three kids or four kids at the time. We're trying to start a church and get a church going. I don't think it's fair to put that burden. So you should try to uh, uh, prepare financially for the years that you cannot work and if possible, uh, leave an inheritance. Go to Proverbs 19. Proverbs chapter 19. And look, I I'm thankful I mean, just recently, uh, my, my parents just recently uh, did, did some uh, legal things and, and, and got some things in order for them, and I don't think they're going anywhere for a long time, and I'm praying they're not, but I'm thankful that they have taken the time to organize some things so that uh, financially they have, they're taking care of themselves, and obviously, us three children, none of us are going to let my parents, none of us are going to let them go into some sort of of home or facility, and we're going to care for them. But I'm thankful that they've had, they've taken the time to organize some things uh, to make sure that their needs are met financially uh, and that they're not going to burden us with that, although we'd be happy to carry that burden. But they love us enough to not want to burden with us, and that's a good thing. And, 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 and of course, they, they want to leave an inheritance, and I'm thankful for all of that. Um, Proverbs 19 and verse 14, House and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. House and riches are the inheritance of, of, of a father. So I think if it's possible, we should want to live, leave an inheritance. House and riches are the inheritance of a father. But let me just say this. Uh, not only, well, let me, there's so many things. Let, let, me, let, me, let me say a couple of things. If possible, you should prepare financially 
so that if you cannot work, and I think if you can work, then you should work, and you should, that's part of staying active. But if, if you cannot work, then you should prepare financially for that. You should prepare financially for if, if you cannot work and there's medical bills that you can try to take care of that so that a loving child, son or daughter or grandkid can step in and help physically but not be burdened financially. Um, but it, and then you should try to leave an inheritance if, if you're able to, if, if things work out that way. Uh, let me say this. You should try to leave an inheritance uh, uh, to the church. You know, and, and I'll say, and maybe I'm giving more information. My, my sister was the one helping my friends with this, and I don't know all the details, and I, I tr- obviously I trust them, and, and I know enough, and, and all of that. But I will say this. My dad made, made, made one thing clear, because he was talking about, you know, when they pass and how the money's going to, whatever, and all that stuff. And, and, but there was one thing he said, and all of you are expected to tithe, and praise the Lord for it, you know. He's been teaching us to tithe since, since I was, you know, a, a kid, and he's like, and when I'm dead, you better tithe off of what we're, if we leave you anything or whatever is left over or whatever, you know, praise God for that. We just had another, I won't give any details, but we just had somebody in our church, uh, an older person, um, and, and they situated some things, and, and they're making sure that, the, that when they pass, by God's grace, hopefully not anytime soon, that, that the church has left something as an inheritance. And look, I think that's a good thing. I think every young person here should have a goal to not only leave something for their children, but make sure that something's invested into the ministry. Um, and, but let me just say this. Go to Proverbs 16. If you say, that's not me, I can't, that's never going to happen, I don't have the money, I don't have whatever. Hey, look, let me tell you this. The best inheritance that you can leave is a goodly heritage. And, and, and if you can, that's why I say, you prepare financially for the years that you cannot work, and if possible, if possible, leave an inheritance. But if, if that's not possible, because look, you may have a whole lot of money and some nest egg, but then you go through some big major health thing at the end of your life that eats all of that up. That's okay. You understand that? That's not, it's not like, and then I didn't. Look, you prepared for your life and praise the Lord for it. But let me just say this. If you get to the end of your life and maybe your husband had some big medical thing and it ate up all the money you had and you had some big medical thing and it ate up all the money you had and you have nothing left to be able to give the children and grandchildren, you know, the greatest thing that you could give them is a godly heritage and a goodly heritage. Psalm 16 and verse 6. Here's what David said. David said, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. And I praise God for that. And, you know, I do thank the Lord that my parents uh, have made plans to leave us something and, and all that and praise God for that. But if they didn't leave us one cent, I would be thankful for the fact that they left me the Bible. They left me salvation. They, they left us raising us in a Christian home and teaching us to love God and teaching us to be soul winners and teaching us to be Baptists. And, you know, that's better than anything they could leave us. And our goal should be that our children would say of us one day, the lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. So you got to plan and prepare financially for the years that you cannot work and if possible, leave an inheritance. But if, you, but if not a financial inheritance, then you know what? Then leave an inheritance of godliness. Leave an inheritance of being a soul winner and loving God and reading the Bible and, and loving the Lord. Then leave that inheritance. It's better than any monetary inheritance you could leave. Go to Psalm 92. Psalm 92. Here's number seven. Let me read you the first and then I'll give you the statement. 
Psalm 92 and verse 14. Psalm 92, 14. They shall still. This is about elderly people, older people. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. I love that phrase. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They were bringing forth fruit in their young age, and they're still bringing forth fruit in their old age. You know that your older years could be your most fruitful years spiritually. And let me just say it this way, number seven, to reach your full potential as a senior saint, you should retire into the ministry. You should retire into the ministry. You say, what do you mean by that? I heard, uh, I heard a, a pastor say this one time. I was listening. It was at a conference, and he was talking about older people in his church. And this guy was a guy that had a, a big church. But he said this, and I thought, no, that's, that's, that's very interesting. He said, I, I teach our older people. And this, guy, this man himself was in his mid-70s at the time. But he said, I, I teach our older people to retire into the ministry. To retire into the ministry. And this was an independent formal Baptist. He had a, a big church and a Bible college. And of course, he was speaking at a conference. But he, but he gave an example of how they had a man in their church who, uh, who worked for years in, in the post office. And he was pretty high up in the post office and kind of ran different things or whatever. And when he retired, he, this man, and, and I'm not condoning or Bible colleges. I'm not necessarily for Bible colleges, but this, this pastor that was saying this, he had a, a Bible college. And of course, they had dorms and things like that. And, and as a result of having hundreds of students, they had this whole system of mail that had to come in and out. And he said, when this man retired from the post office, he went to the pastor and said, uh, if you would allow me to, I've been doing postal work for all these years. And if you allow me to, I'd like to, to run the, the mail system here. And I, I, I know how to do it. And, and, and he did. And he said he, he comes in every day, Monday through Friday, in, 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 his, in his retirement. And, and he takes care of all that for them. And here's what I'm saying is that you should... I'm not saying you need, when I say work, I'm not saying you need to work at your job for the rest of your life, but I'm saying this, you might retire from your job, but don't retire from life, and don't retire from God, and you may want to consider that you retire into the ministry. I remember hearing another man, uh, same thing, different different ministry, different pastor, uh, but a, a guy, this is actually the editor of the Sword of the Lord, um, and he he's, he's probably 80 years old when he said this. Um, but he talks about how he didn't use the term retirement of the ministry, but he says that they, uh, they, they often uh, encourage their older people to do the same thing. And he talked about uh, a man who retired in, in their church, and he said, uh, Pastor, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here every day, Monday through Friday. Once I'm retired and I'm just whatever I can do, um, I'll do. And, and it's not like he works eight hours a day and sometimes he takes a day off and, and things like that. But, but he's there and they've got, you know, and he was saying at their church what they do is that they do all the errands that need to be run because there's tons of errands that need to be run all the time. And instead of, you know, sending staff to go buy this and buy that, where they just kind of let that whole list kind of, they just created a list of things that needed to be purchased. And when he would come in, he would go and run all those errands and go pick up this and pick up that. And here, and I'm not saying that we need that. I, I'm not... I'm just saying this. You should have this mentality that you want to retire into the ministry. And, 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 and just to kind of help you understand my philosophy, go, go to Matthew chapter 20 if you would. Matthew chapter 20. You know, I've said that I may not pass, I'm not, I may not, I may, maybe I will pass to this church till I die. I don't know. Um, I, I know this, that uh, a man that stands up and preaches three times a week has to be able to hold an audience and, and, and have, uh, you know, 
uh, and have that. And sometimes as we get older, maybe we're not able to do that. But what I'm saying is this. Maybe as I get older, I may have to step down one day. I know some of you are like, when? What day? And it's, it's years from now, okay? Decades from now. But um, um, I may have to retire from being a pastor, but I'm not going to retire from the ministry. You say, Pastor, what would you do uh, once you're no longer pastoring, let's say you're 60 or 65 years old, and, and you're no longer pastoring and, and doing the daily uh, administration of being a pastor, what would you do? I don't know. We've started five churches in the last 12 years. It might be another 30 years before I get out of this thing, and I don't know. Maybe we'll have 25 or 30 churches at that point that our church has started, and I think it might be a great thing as a 65-year-old man to go around and maybe help some of these young churches. I know when I was 25 and 26 and 27 and 28 years old and our church was younger and I was working a full-time job and I had nobody uh, that could preach. I mean, now our church has grown, obviously, and I've got a lot of men that could preach and fill the pulpit if I need them to. But there was a point in our ministry where, you know, I had to preach every single sermon. uh, And even if I work 60 hours at my secular job, and even if I was traveling and doing this and doing that, I mean, there was times where I was traveling somewhere, and I'd preach on a Wednesday night, and we'd drive for 12 hours that night after, after whatever uh, uh, service, and, and I'd preach somewhere for two nights, and then we'd drive with, I mean, we were crazy, with four kids and 12 hours straight to get here for Sunday morning. Obviously, I don't have to do that anymore, and I praise the Lord for it, but I'm saying that there might be some young preachers when I'm 65 where I can just come in and say, hey, if you want, I can preach for you and take a day off. Take your wife out on a date. <laughs> Relax. You know, I'm just saying, I, I'm, I don't know what we can do. I'm just saying, I know this. I'm not going to just go sit somewhere and do nothing all day. And you ought to retire into the ministry. Now, obviously, if your health does not allow you to do that, I'm not attacking that. Obviously, sometimes your health doesn't allow you to do things, and and we need to plan for that. The point that I'm making is this. If you have the health and the ability to, you should stay active. And one way you can do that is to retire into the ministry. Number eight. This is the last one, and we'll be done. I would say that this is probably the most important one, but let me just... Let me just read this to you, and I kind of have to explain this parable, and I'll do it as quickly as I can. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. In Matthew chapter 20, we have this famous, well-known parable of the laborers. In Matthew 20, verse 1, the Bible says, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. Here's a a man that went out to hire laborers early in the morning. Early in the morning, the Bible is 6 a.m. Verse 2, And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he went... He sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour. So he goes out at 6 a.m., hires some laborers. They agree, I'm going to pay you a penny a day. And they go work for him in the, labor, in the, in the vineyard. In verse 3, the Bible says, and he went, about, and he went out about the third hour. Um, that would be our time, 9 a.m., so three hours later from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. He goes out the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right... I will give you. So notice with group one, they agreed on a penny a day. With group two, they didn't agree on anything because they're getting a late start. He said, you just go work and whatever is right, I will pay you. You just trust me and I'll pay you whatever I think is right. And they went their way. Verse five. Again, he went about the six. That would be 12 p.m. or noon. And the ninth hour, that would be 3 p.m. And did likewise. 
and about the 11th hour, that would be 5 p.m. So the workday is from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. This is the 11th hour, 5 p.m. There's one hour left in the workday, and about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing idle. They'd been standing idle all day, and say unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye uh, receive. So they, they said, you just go work for an hour and I'll pay you, um, whatever is right, I'll pay you, just go work for an hour. Look at verse 8. So when even was come, at 6 p.m., the end of the workday, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, call the laborers and give them their hire. He said, get, get all the workers over here and let's pay them. He said, but when you pay them, I want you to do it this way, beginning from the last unto the first. So I want you to pay the guy that's been here the least amount of time first, and the guy who's been here the longest, uh, pay him last. So from the last unto the first. And when they came, that were hired about the 11th hour. So the guys that showed up, and they'd only been working for one hour. They started working at 5 p.m., the 11th hour. They received every man a penny. I want you to notice that a penny is what the group that started at 6 a.m., they agreed upon a penny a day. What does that tell us? It tells us that a penny was the day's, what was, was, Something they agreed to, so it was a, a, a suitable payment for a full day's wages. But these people started working at the 11th hour at 5 p.m. They worked for one hour. They didn't know what they were going to get paid. They just said, they just went to work, and the, good, the man in the house said, I'll, I'll give you what is right. And when they got paid, they received every man a penny. Look at verse 10. But when the first came, so the guys all the way at the end of the line, they saw that the guys had been working for an, an hour, got paid a penny, and so they assumed, and by the way, you always get yourself into trouble when you make assumptions. They assumed that, well, if they got, if they got paid a penny, then, then we're going to get paid, even though we agreed for a penny. We said we would not, would not go to work unless we got at least a penny, and we signed a contract and shook hands and said, you're going to pay me a penny a day. They assumed that they're going to get paid more. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, saying, these last have wrought but one hour. They said, these last have only worked one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden in the heat of the day. But he answered uh, uh, one of them and said, friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Now I want you to notice that the primary application of this parable is that those of us that have, are young should not go into the service of God with this mentality that says, well, God, I will serve you if, and try to make a deal with God. The idea is, look, you just let God pay you, let God reward you, and he'll give you more than, than you need. If you try to make a deal with him, uh, then, then, you're, then that's all you're going to get. That's the primary application. That's not what I'm preaching about. What I'm preaching about is these people that showed up at the 11th hour. Verse 14, take that thine is, and go thy way, I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye an evil, because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last, and many be called, but few are chosen. And here's statement number eight that I want to make to you. To reach your full potential as a senior saint, you must realize that God values and rewards your work. Here's the key. Even if you're coming in late to the game. You might say, well, this whole sermon is nice and good if I was one of these senior saints that had been serving God since my 20s. But pastor, I'm new at this thing. I'm older and I just got saved or I'm older and I just got in church or I'm older and I've just been doing this thing. You know, do any of these things apply to me? And here's all I'm saying to you, that it's okay to be an 11th hour Christian. 
Obviously, we'd rather get you in early as possible, and that's what we're trying to do with these young people in this church. But if you say, I'm older, because some of you, even not just elderly, some of you are just, man, I've already raised my kids. I wish I would have heard this. I wish I would have known this. I have so many wasted years. And let me tell you something. You can start late in life, and God will still value your work. God will still reward you. In fact, these people got in at the 11th hour, the 11th hour of the workday, the last hour, and they got paid the same as everyone that had been. Why? Because they weren't trying to make deals with God. They just said, hey, I just got an hour to give you. Can you use it? And God says, I'll use it and let me pay you for it. Oftentimes, and I understand this, oftentimes older people can... The preaching of this church is so specific and so applicable that it can be difficult for some older people that maybe have some regrets, and I understand that. Let me just remind you, because we all have regrets, that there's nothing you can do about your past. And the Apostle Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. And you need to just forget about what you could have done or should have done or if I would have known, I would have done and, and realize that all you can do is what is before you now, but you can serve God today and don't sit there and say, well, if I would have gotten this thing earlier, if I would have gotten in in the third hour or the, or the sixth hour or, or the ninth hour, well, look, that would have been nice, but you got in at the 11th hour, so why don't you just make the best out of that hour? And what I can tell you is this, that God will value it and he'll reward you for it even if you're coming in late in the game. So what I'm saying is this, just give your life to God now. Give him your time. You say, well, I didn't give my 20s. Okay, but can you give him your 50s? Well, I didn't give him my 30s. Okay, but can you give him your 60s? Well, I didn't give him my 40s. Okay, but can you give him your 70s? I didn't give him the first hour or the third hour or the sixth hour or the ninth hour, but can you give him the 11th hour? And he'll reward you, and he'll make it worth it. And, you know, you might get to heaven and find that you get as many rewards as people that gave him his whole life because your attitude was right. Go to Isaiah 46. I, I, I got to be done, and I'm going to be done in, in three minutes. While you turn there, let me read to you from Leviticus 19. I'm going to read from Leviticus 19. You go to Isaiah 46. You have your place in Proverbs. After Proverbs, you have Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. Let me just say something to the young people or younger people in this church and what I mean by that in the context of this sermon is 59 years old and down, which for some of you is really good news. <laughs> we, as younger people, should honor the older Christians. Leviticus 19 and verse 32, the Bible says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and the fear of thy God, I am the Lord. And, you know, you young people, and especially you teenagers, but I would say you, you men as well, when, 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 when a man or a woman walks up to you and they've got a hoary head, they've got some, some white in their head, when they walk up to you, the Bible says, thou shalt rise up before the hoary head. So you, you young people are sitting there hanging out, and one of these elder uh, Christian walks up to you and says, hello, you stand up. So why would I do that? Out of respect. That's what the Bible says. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head. Not on the face of the old man. And let me just say this to the 28 members of this church, attenders of this church that are seniors, let me just say that I, I appreciate you and I love you and I thank you for the testimony that you have in this church. And I want you to know that we love you and we, and we honor you. 
And let me just say this to the, to the, to the not-so-young people. The, the three-score years old and up. In Isaiah 46 and verse 4, the Bible says this. And even to... Isaiah 46 and verse 4. And even to your old age... This is God speaking. And even to your old age, I am He. And even to whore hairs... Will I carry you? I have made, and I will bear, even I will carry, and I will deliver you. We often emphasize when God makes a baby. But you know that God looks down at some older man, some older lady, and he says, I made you. I made you when you were a baby. I made you when you were young. I made you when... Your skin didn't have the wrinkles, and when your hair did not have the white, he said, I have made, and I will bear. Even I will carry, and will deliver you. You say, how long? Even to your old age. Even to your old age, I am he, and even to your whore hairs will I carry you. So though older age gets difficult, and I understand it, and it can get lonely, especially if you lose a spouse, it can be lonely. I want you to know that you have a church here that loves you and young people that want to honor you. And if you would allow us to, we would like to be part of your life. And I feel like you need us, but we need you. We need your encouragement. We need your experience. And even if the experience is, hey, listen to what Pastor's saying because I wish I would have heard that. But let me tell you, when you're feeling alone and when you're feeling tired and when you're feeling down, the same God that made you will bear you and carry you and deliver you. He's God, even to your old age. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you and we thank you. I do thank you for the older people in our church and the blessing they are to me and my wife. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them and help them to stay in this thing and, and stick with it. And Lord, I pray for all the younger, not so old people in this auditorium today that they would all decide, you know, I want, I want to end right. I want to be like the Apostle Paul and say, I am ready. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I have fought a good fight. Lord, I pray you'd help all of us to get there. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're now, Brother Matt, come up and lead us in a final song. Let me just quickly remind you.